Hi everyone and welcome to my podcast, Is That What You Think?, which includes a lot of conversations and also a little bit of coaching thrown in. In each episode, I'll be talking to some amazing people, finding out about what they do, how they do it, what they think and how they navigate life's obstacles. I'm sure we'll find out some interesting things and also if you're in the same career as my guest or you want to get into their industry, then hopefully you'll get some useful insights. I'll also throw some coaching questions at my guests to really dig deep into their mind and their innermost thoughts. So, if you're like me and you're a bit of a people watcher when you're sat in that coffee shop, then I know you're going to love this podcast. So, let's not waste any more time and let's please welcome my guest, Helen Moore, who owns Spotlight Human Resources. She has over 20 years experience in retail, leisure and hospitality and has worked for some quite famous UK companies. So hi, Helen. How are you? Hello, I'm good, thank you. Good. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. I've been wanting to talk to you for a while, so thank you very much for agreeing, and I'm hoping to learn lots from you today. So with that in mind, tell me a bit more about you. What do you do? So as you mentioned in your intro, I'm the founder of Spotlight Human Resources, um, which is a consultancy that's focused on supplying HR services, basically, to all types of businesses, big and small, um, and everything in between, actually, as well. So I've got some really small businesses that I support and some really large businesses that I support. And I guess I help them in all manner of ways from anything from defining their business plans and how their people plans might relate to those um, all the way through to things such as improved relations cases, sometimes quite tricky cases of um, discipline, grievance, absence, etc. Um, and unfortunately, sometimes employment tribunals as well. Um, so I've got sort of a, a specialist background in employee relations and business partnering. So really, that that's kind of it in a nutshell. Um, so anything you can think of in terms of people and what businesses might need in terms of support for their teams, uh, that's where I get involved. Sounds amazing. Sounds like you can have some very sort of different days. So every day has got a different challenge by the sounds of it. It sounds... Um... Yeah, quite quite an exciting kind of little adventure that you, you go on with your clients. What made you decide to go into the world of HR? Well, um, so I kind of didn't decide. And I think a lot of people in the world of HR, I think it's probably 50-50. Some people want a career in HR from early on and, and see that as their path. That wasn't me. I literally fell into it. I didn't want to go to university once I'd finished sixth form. And I actually applied for an admin role in the Metropolitan Police Service. And back in those days, a long time ago, they basically did a big recruitment tool for all of their admin staff. And so you could end up anywhere. You could end up being an admin assistant in a police station or in one of the more sort of civilian offices. And I was actually placed in HR and found that I had a real flair for people and supporting managers and leaders with their people-related challenges and problems. 
um, and from there went into more HR advisory type roles. So really helping managers with things like how to apply a policy to a particular situation. Um, and then more recently, sort of talent type roles. Um, so helping with looking at a business plan and saying, okay, well, that's the business plan. What talent do we need in place to support that business plan? And what skills might those talented people need? Uh, and then more recently in the last probably 15 years, um, more senior HR type roles. So business partnering, particular functions. Um, so I kind of didn't really want a career in HR, but found that I really loved it and had, had a real flair for it, um, which I think is sometimes the way, you know, we don't often, some people don't know what they want to do when they leave college or school or, or university. And I was pretty much that type of person. I think it's, I think it's so true. I think you, you kind of stumble across these opportunities and job roles and sometimes you really kind of find your your skill set you find your strengths um and sometimes you you may not have known that they were there and it's only when you're put into a, a particular situation that you think oh i'm actually quite good at this or i'm actually really enjoying this and listening to you there i i get the impression that um people are at the very kind of heart as to what you do you're all about um looking after people so looking after the, the the business looking after the businesses looking after the business owners but also making sure that they have the right people and that those people that step into those new roles are the right fit but also that they're going to benefit from taking up that role am I kind of right on that one yeah it's an it's a really interesting question because I think HR's been on a real journey it's been um you know when I started working in HR it was actually called personnel you know it was very old fashioned people would call it you know tea and tampax sometimes <laughs> is the phrase that people would call it you literally are you know helping people and nurturing people in that way I think it's then been on a journey around, you know, a bit harder, a bit more business focused, a bit more business savvy, and maybe having lost a little bit of that nurturing element to to HR. But actually, I think that's coming back again. I think that businesses in particular are realising that employee well-being is really important and crucial to engagement and morale and actually is a real business benefit. So um, I I agree. I think what I really love about HR is, is putting the human back into human resources. I'm really thinking about people as individuals. You know, the, the, the term HR is looking at people as numbers effectively but actually, I think we're coming, I really think we're coming away from that and thinking about people as individuals again, and how can they individually contribute to the business? How can we retain people? How can we grow people? And especially in the current climate, that is really important. You know, you don't want to be recruiting in, you know, a market that is really, really tough at the moment. You want to keep hold of your best people and nurture and train them to, to stay with you. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I've noticed with, with quite a few business owners who I work with, it is all about staff retention and making them feel wanted in the business, making them feel empowered in their job role. Um, I was looking at some figures the other day with, with one of my clients and it was looking at what it actually costs the business to recruit, train, put in place a new a new person. Um, 
compared to very, very small things that you can do with your current team and to kind of empower them and grow their, their skill set and increase their confidence in their role and just really show that you appreciate them. And I think, like you said, in this current climate, we have to make that a priority in our business. Um, and, and one of the, the business strategies I try and kind of get my clients to think about is their, their people strategy. So looking at their recruitment, their training, but also their ongoing support of, of their people, because without those, there perhaps would be no business. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's a really interesting one. So I don't know whether you've heard the term corporate hostage, um, it, you might have come across it in your in your kind of dealings with your businesses. But the alternative is, is that at the moment, you might have people that don't want to leave because they're worried about, you know, where would they go and get another job? Sure. So they will stay with you. But if they're not engaged, and they're not feeling looked after, then they're not really giving you their best. They're feeling like they're trapped in that role, that they have to stay with you but actually they don't really want to be there. So that's where the term corporate hostage sometimes comes from. And that's a really useful phrase to for businesses to think about in terms of, do you want someone who's just literally sitting there rolling their eyes? Yeah. Um, or do you want someone that is really going over and above because they, they know that they're being looked after and invested in? Yeah, I think we've all come across those people that will turn up dead on time, will finish, kind of bang on five o'clock if that's their their shift end and they will do what's required but that's it and you know you can kind of almost feel the the atmosphere when when those people are kind of making it known that they are only going to do a certain amount and and it can be quite demotivating for the for the rest of the team so yeah it's definitely a priority for businesses just to keep in mind at this current moment in time definitely so let me ask you then, what's the what's the best part of your job, do you think? Uh, the thing that I guess really lights me up is when I meet a business leader or a business owner who is really feeling quite stressed about a particular situation or a particular kind of atmosphere that's happening in their business at the moment and not really knowing how to tackle it and how to build a plan around making improvements um, and knowing that you know what I do is it can be really simple but it doesn't mean that it's an easy thing to do um, but I can actually walk into a business and and really help them break down okay well this is what I see is happening over here you might have some absence but actually what you've got is an issue with you know your culture let's have a look at fixing that let's deal with the absence issue absolutely but let's let's think about you know how can we um, prevent that happening in the future and what I like to talk about is sort of almost you know ripping the band-aid off um, so I will be quite tough love with my clients I will be really honest about what I think is happening in their business um, and that can be a little bit hard to hear sometimes when you're when it's your business and you feel really passionately about it it can be hard to to hear that yeah um but ultimately I want to I want their investment in me to leave them in a better place than than they started and when I kind of you know do that with a business that is the thing that really lights me up you know I, I come out of a of a, a meeting or a, or a particular project 
And I know that that business is going to be successful or more successful than it was because of the interventions that we've had with, with that business owner. So that's the best thing, I think. I think that's that's so interesting. And I'm just thinking about um, so some of the clients that I, I'm working with at the moment. And it's, it's about encouraging them to, to kind of listen to other people's feedback and to view other perspectives um, so they get kind of a, a 360 look at maybe what their issue is or what they're trying to deal with and it, it kind of sometimes pulls you out of your comfort zone when you have to maybe hear something that you might have kind of an inkling that's going on but having to kind of face facts and face up to it really can be quite uncomfortable so I guess you have to have a, a particular way of kind of broaching that subject with with your clients and saying look I'm, I'm probably going to say something that you might not want to hear but it's really important that we deal with it but I'm going to support you through that particular change or something do you have kind of a particular way that you introduce that sort of subject with your clients I do I, th I think it's exactly as you've just just described there in terms of when when I first meet clients, I will talk to them about my style, which is pretty pragmatic. Um, you know, I am thinking about what's happening in their business, what are their business aims, and what are the problems, what are the challenges they're facing, really, to to um, overcome those. Um, and I will say to them pretty much up front, look, I am going to be pretty honest with you. I want you to learn and develop and grow from this. It's not just about you know, let's pay Helen some money and she'll deal with this for me. That's not really how it works. So, you know, I've got to work with people that, that are going to be able to listen and, and, and develop and grow. And generally that is the case with the people that I work with anyway. They tend to not pick up the phone unless they're willing to hear some of that stuff. Um, but I think it's really good to be upfront with people to say, this is my style. This is how I will work with you. Um and people are generally quite up for it, which is which is great. Um, I don't tend to get people, or you know, I may have conversations with potential clients, and I will say something like that. And if I can see that you know that they're not very comfortable with it, they generally don't take me up on the, on the piece of work. And that's also fine because that's the whole point about freelancing and consulting, right? You, you kind of get to work with some amazing businesses but you've kind of got to be on the right wavelength with with those businesses as well yeah absolutely and they've got to be in the right kind of time and space to be able to listen to to what you have to say and take on the feedback and and make the changes um I know that personally if I I'm not in the mindset to do something then I'm, I'm quite stubborn so I won't do it so and it's the same with with everybody whether it's you're talking about their business or, or personal life isn't it you've got to show your clients that you're supporting them but also be honest with them and, and let them know what's going to happen and then it's it's down to them isn't it yeah that's it and I sometimes I will have clients that come to me at their absolute wits end so they've left something to fester and things can escalate very, very quickly in the world of employee relations. So you may start with a little bit of a disgruntled, you know, a bit of an argument between two people, for example. But actually, if that's not dealt with, that can end up being quite a big 
issue to deal with in terms of grievances or absences etc etc so sometimes I will have people that are so desperate for some help that they will literally do anything um but even so you know I I I have quite a coaching style, so I am honest, but as you say, you know, I will support them through whatever they need to do. I'm literally there holding their hand every step of the way. And um, you know, hopefully to the to the benefit of them and the business and and to the rest of the team as well. Yeah, it's all it's all for the positive, isn't it? It's all you're all trying to work for the same positive outcome, aren't you? So flip that around then. What's the worst part of your job? what do you not like so in hr you know people sort of go what do you do and you say oh i work in hr and they go ha ha hiring and firing (laughs) and yeah unfortunately there are times when either you're supporting a business with a restructure which may ultimately lead to dismissal through redundancy or it may be a dismissal through a disciplinary issue or unfortunately through you know long-term sickness that kind of thing those are probably the least enjoyable parts of the job mm-hmm. i think that what i try to do and what i hopefully have you know gained a lot of experience in is still treating individuals with dignity and respect throughout a process like that is really key and it's probably the area that I find business owners and leaders find the most challenging I think that it can be really hard to be saying I'm really sorry we're going to have to part ways we're going to have to part company it's not your fault it's not my fault or you know it may be someone's fault or in a discipline in the case of a disciplinary yeah. but actually you can still do that and um you know treat everybody with respect through that process yeah and i think that's that's when you see the good managers you see the skilled managers coming through when they are um looking after that person through that process even though it's not very nice it's it's definitely not very nice to do that be on either side of that conversation um but you can kind of see the ones that are slightly more kind of considerate in their their approach to it and and hopefully it can all end as positively as it as it can do I know that I've been when I've been on kind of interviewing panels and things like that it's it's always been me that's had to ask the more difficult questions or ask the kind of complex scenario based questions. And um, I'm not quite sure why that is, but I think maybe just because I'm, I'm open to ask all sorts of questions to people and I'm genuinely interested. And I think some people don't like interviewing people or disciplining people because they feel that I think they feel personally connected to it and they start bringing emotions into it. And that's when it starts getting tricky. And I think if you can be a little bit more black and white about it in that situation, then sometimes that can be, that can be beneficial, I think. So looking at your role then kind of on a day-to-day basis, what, what does a perfect day look like for you when you're working? (laughs) So I think I've touched on this a little bit already, but businesses that really want to work with HR and, and, and can see the value that, that an HR consultant can bring to them is a it, it is part, you know, the start of a perfect day for me. Um, 
and not having that kind of, you know, we've got Helen in because we need to tick a box or compliance is really important in HR, but it's not the be all and end all. So, you know, not ticking a box, not just having the HR rubber stamp seal of approval um, and working with a business that, that really wants to invest in their teams and can see the benefit of, of my skills in that. And I guess luckily I, that's the kind of client I attract. So I have I have lots of perfect days which is amazing. Absolutely. That sounds really good. So in order to kind of make sure you do as well as you can every day, what, what sort of daily habits do you kind of set up for yourself to make sure that your day kind of goes as well as you can possibly make it? Um, so I'm a, I'm a planner. I love a plan. I love a to-do list. I love a diary. Um, I do a lot of preparation um, at the weekend and then the night before the next day. You know, mornings tend to be very busy at home. So I like to be up early, do some kind of yoga, Pilates, early dog walks, something like that to just give me that, you know, even if it's half an hour on my own, just to sort of settle into the day and, and get myself ready and really think about what I've got coming up. Um, that tends to be how I set myself up for, for my, one of my many, many perfect days. Um, or if I'm in the middle of a project, I will start work super early um, before I have to go and do the school run or the dog walk or whatever else might be happening in in my day um and I always always have a coffee (laughs) absolutely could not agree more coffee is just fuel for the day it has to be done (laughs) so how would you feel if you got to your desk and you didn't have your coffee with you what would happen It just, it just wouldn't be a good day for me. It really wouldn't. I, I, <laughs> I think I'm realising there might be a quite embedded addictive behaviour pattern here. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, it's one of the things where um, I think sometimes when you're kind of really busy you work in a stressful job just that tiny little bit of self it, I see it as a bit of self-care actually it's my little you know I will go to the coffee shop I'll get my coffee and then that's when I sort of start looking at things like emails or checking my phone I tend not to check my phone really early in the morning mm-hmm. I tend to try and leave that either end of the day my phone kind of is on charge away from me um so that I can really think about okay what's how am I going to present myself and how can I get the best out of myself in this particular day that I'm working in today that sounds really good and and hopefully listeners can look at their own routine to see what they're doing to keep themselves motivated keep in a healthy routine both kind of physically and mentally and I guess that that leads me on to say or to ask you about sort of how you manage kind of client expectations, how do you manage boundaries? Because I guess in your profession, people will assume that you are on call 24-7, that you are all about them and you don't have any other clients apart from them. So how do you kind of manage kind of making sure that you have boundaries in place and that, that clients know exactly 
what to expect from you? Um, so you're right. There is definitely that um, needing to be available for those emergency situations that you just can never plan for. That is absolutely, you know, within the, the sphere of HR. And I guess one of the things I do is just try to create some capacity for that. So not booking meetings solidly Monday to Friday, you know, eight till six, I will make sure I've got some windows so that you know, if I miss a call or if um, if somebody phones me very early, I can respond quite quickly to that. So there's definitely that element to it. Um, the other thing I try to do is ask a really simple question of a client. What are your timescales? Mm-hmm. When are you looking to achieve this? Um, and then that opens up a conversation around, okay, well, I've got these other things planned in I tend to be quite discreet about the other work I've got going on because it tends to be quite confidential um but I will say you know I've got I've got some other things I'm working on so how about you've asked for it here how about we look at doing something here or you know I'll be part way through it by here um and then the other thing that I do is update along the way which I've had some feedback on quite recently, actually, around thank you so much for letting me know where you are with something. It gives me great confidence to know that you're on top of it and I I understand where you are with a certain piece of work. Or if there's a delay that's beyond my control, um, I will be really honest about that with the client and say that there's been a hold up here because this manager wasn't available to speak to you or whatever it might be. That tends to be the best way to manage boundaries and and client expectations. But the amazing thing about working for myself is it can peak and trough. I can be super busy and I really love that. Or I can be a little bit quieter and I can, you know, afford a bit more time in between sort of busy projects. Um, So, yeah, I tend to be fairly good at boundaries and, and hopefully getting that blend between life and work as well. No, it definitely sounds like you do. And I think you hit on something really key there, which was the communication side of things. And with my clients as well, especially with sort of the life coaching side, it, it communication is just so key in allowing you to progress in something and also letting other people in. There may be some people who can actually help you and obviously you then have to ask them or talk to them about something um and with with business clients if if they're super communicative with their clients with their customers or their team everybody knows where they stand everybody can maybe relax a little bit everybody knows what's expected what's going to happen um there's going to be no kind of surprises along the way and i think from your side i think you're then reassuring your clients by the sound of it and you're instilling confidence in them they know that they can trust you and that you are supporting them and you're still there working away behind the scenes they might not have seen you or spoken to you that day but they they then know that they will get an email from you or they'll get an update and that they can just get on with their own lives and job roles because they know that you've got it in hand so I think that's that's so vital with with so many projects personally and and in business so on the days that maybe there's a little bit of kind of stress or negativity with a client or something like that how do you manage kind of how do you manage stress 
whether it be your stress or their stress how do i manage stress um the yoga and the pilates and the early mornings definitely helps so yeah. i don't feel like i'm rushing into the day with um you know a lack of preparation that's really important for me yeah. um managing other clients stress is a really key thing that actually happens quite a lot so i'll have um clients wanting to vent quite a bit yep um so i try to create capacity for that so if i'm if i'm helping them with a particular project or a particular issue then i will build some buffers into the time scales for that particular project or the you know whatever the, the challenge might be because i generally know that they're going to want to offload as well so um you know client their well-being is just as important as their team's well-being so you know part of what I do is a little bit about you know supporting them with that too um and dealing with my own stress the the dog walking absolutely helps (laughs) stick a podcast in my ears when I can I try to do a, a run kind of a couple of times a week as well so um almost that sort of um you know, using your body, moving your body to, to get some of that kind of nervous energy out really, really helps me. Um, and if all else fails, chocolate. <laughs> Love it. Absolutely. <laughs> it's all about balance, isn't it? Have a few runs a Absolutely. week and then a few coffees and chocolate bars. That's good. Yeah. So let's find out a little bit more. What's, or who, you can't really say who, but what's been the most memorable kind of customer that you've had to deal with I have got so many stories (laughs) that I am not at liberty to share unfortunately and they're probably not appropriate I think probably um one of my most memorable moments I guess and and one of my favorite clients and, and he still is a favorite client to this day is someone that I've been working with for about eight years now and although my business in its current form has only been going for a couple of years um, I've actually been doing this as a bit of a side hustle alongside a corporate role for about eight years now um, and a, a, a friend who's also a client needed some support with an office move and um, he'd realised that, you know, morale was pretty low in the team and wanted to create a bit of a culture shift within the move from the current location into the new location. So, you know, let's let's start afresh. Let's really kind of think about what we want to achieve here. So we'd done a lot of works on things like what did the culture, what did he want the culture to look like? What were the values that he wanted to instill in the workforce? And then, you know, managing performance and behaviours around those values. And one of the things that I challenged him to do was, was stand up and give a bit of a team talk. And although he's a hugely successful business owner and entrepreneur in his own right, he'd never spoken in public. I think maybe a best man speech once when he was really drunk and that was probably it. (laughs) I could tell that he was so nervous and really, really didn't want to do it. And I could see that he was going into that kind of real fight or flight um, sort of physiology where I could see he was a bit shaky and his palms were a bit sweaty and his voice started to shake. 
Um, so we did some coaching, we did some practicing around what he was going to say and how he was going to say it. And, um, you know, I've really persuaded him, look, you, you really do need to do this. It's a really key part of our plan to shift this culture. You've got to lead it. You've got to lead from the front. You've got to win over the respect of the team. Um, and so he delivered it and he was absolutely blown away. The team were blown away. And it was a, probably one of the first times where I thought, actually, there's something really powerful here in this in this um, work that I'm doing. It's not just about fixing a problem, which is, you know, we're, we're going to dismiss somebody or we're going to make some redundancies. I can actually make a real difference to some to some amazing businesses. Uh, so that's probably one of my most memorable moments that I can share that isn't really rude. <laughs> that's so lovely, isn't it? And I think you've probably not just helped transform his business, but also him personally. It sounds like he went through quite a, a transformation, if you like, in, in confidence. And you've probably empowered him to do lots of other things and hopefully more kind of talking, public speaking and, and feeling that bit more empowered when he's talking to his team and if he sees the positive results from it then I'm sure he'll be doing it a lot more so well done you so I think you've answered probably my next question which was looking at kind of your your strengths and I think one that really does stand out is that you can really read people that you can understand them you can get to kind of what's really going on what's beneath the surface and I think that's a really good skill to have. Would you agree with that? I would. I would say there's probably, if you work in HR, you probably need quite a good amount of emotional intelligence. So I think it's something that you can learn, though. I don't think it's a, a wits and innate thing that you must have emotional intelligence. I think it's something that you can develop and learn and, and you know, have as a skill that, that, doesn't necessarily need to come naturally um and I think you need to have a good amount of empathy as well and I sort of see that as a little bit of my superpower I can literally put myself in the shoes of the person who's walking into that room um you know raising a grievance or being consulted with for redundancy and think about how that person would feel and one of the things that I talk a lot to business leaders about is Imagine if that was your dad or your brother or your mum or your sister or your daughter or your son. Imagine if that was them sitting in that in that meeting. How would you want them to be treated? And that's a really good barometer to, to sort of live by in HR, that actually you really think about they may have done something wrong or there may be a business reason why you can't have them in your in your team anymore but they are still human. The clues in the title, really, they're human. Yeah. And that's really important to hang on to. Definitely. So with your kind of superpowers then, what kind of tips or tricks or life hacks have you picked up maybe from your job or elsewhere that you could perhaps share with me and the listeners today? I think probably the one I would talk a lot about in businesses is don't sweep things under the carpet mm -hmm. nip things in the bud it can feel very uncomfortable to have a tricky conversation with somebody or with a team but it's one million gazillion percent better to have that 
uncomfortable conversation and nip something in the bud then to try and deal with the fallout and what can escalate very quickly into a much more challenging situation mm-hmm. and that's probably the life hacks that I try and employ not just at work I try and do that at home with friends with family um you know try to really think about okay well what's going on here you don't seem to be very pleased with that particular situation or you look a bit upset or you know I wasn't really happy with the way that you said that to me and I try and make it about the behavior trying to not make it about the person themselves because that can make it feel very personal it's about how their behavior might be impacting or how your your behavior might be impacting on them and trying to have an honest conversation about it that's so good such words of wisdom love it so that's your advice to us what's the best piece of advice anyone has ever given to you um I think probably I I think I mentioned it earlier around just because you think it's simple it doesn't make it easy for other people Mm -hmm. so I think when you're very experienced and skilled at a particular thing, it can feel a bit frustrating when people don't get it as quickly as you. Um, and I think there's been quite a few studies on that around, you know, school children, some people being told, some ch- school children being told how to do something like tie their laces and then getting them to explain tying their, tying their laces to another group of children that haven't been taught how to do it. Mm-hmm. And they tend to get quite frustrated because they just think it's simple and everyone should be able to do it. But that isn't necessarily the case. So just because it's simple doesn't make it easy. It's something that I try to to live by quite a lot. So it it can be simple. And I think sometimes when you listen to a great podcast like yours, oh, you think, oh, God, that's so simple. Why didn't I think of that? Well, because it's not necessarily e- as easy as that. It mm-hmm. might actually take some effort and some hard work. Um, and I try to bring that into my work by thinking about how do I break a situation down or a particular topic down so that it can feel a bit easier for someone who hasn't got the um, experience or skills in dealing with people. Um, so, yeah, that's probably my my little bit of advice I had from a very well-respected leader quite a few years ago now, and it's something that I sort of still refer to quite a lot. Yeah, I think I absolutely love that. I think I might... Um use that with myself I think that's really really good so that leads me on then to kind of talk to you about kind of what advice would you give to your teenage self oh my goodness what advice would I give to my teenage self I think that I would tell the teenage Helen that it doesn't all have to be perfect you can mess up sometimes you can fail an exam or two that's all okay try not to be too hard on yourself try to be kind to yourself so good so good yeah I would I would definitely agree with that it's I would say it's all about progress not perfection um I have a bit of kind of hurry syndrome. If I want to do something new or learn something, I want to do it right now. I want to be able to do it right now. And so sometimes, yeah, I have to coach myself and learn that I am just a mere mortal and something <laughs> to take time. But you just be kind to yourself and, and, and you will get there. So 
we've kind of learned that I'm guessing that kind of HR and the, the world of people is is what you you love. What job do you think you'd be terrible at? What job do you think, oh God, I really couldn't do that? Well, I'm just looking over my shoulder at um, all of the dead plants on my windowsill. For <laughs> We say gardener, I kill everything. Oh no, I just can't keep everything alive. <laughs> oh dear, so it's all plastic plants at the ready, then, is it? Absolutely, yes. Okay, so note to self don't ask Helen any advice on anything to do with horticulture. <laughs> Absolutely not. No, it's definitely not my forte. Or if you're going away, Helen is not the person to ask to go and water your plants whilst you're on holiday. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. So, okay, let me ask you something really quite random then. What what three things would you take to a desert island? Hmm. Is this like desert island discs where you're only allowed a certain kind of type of book and Bible <laughs> and the complete works of Shakespeare? Because I definitely don't want to take either of those things. Um, but can I take my Kindle? You can, yeah. Thanks, because I think that, you know, there was lots of random stuff that got bought in lockdown, but that was definitely the best thing that I treated myself to in the pandemic was a Kindle and it's something that I it's really helped me get back into reading actually mm-hmm. um and because I'm I'm the kind of person that will have two or three books on the go at once so actually it's very helpful instead of carrying this sort of stack of books around with me they're all there in the Kindle and I can think okay what mood am I in am I in a fiction mood or a you know I want to read something a bit more self-developmenty um it gives me that flexibility to to do that so that would definitely be very top priority I would also take a huge sombrero (laughs) because the sun is not my friend and um, I think that, you know, SPF 50 is probably not going to cut it on a desert island. So that would definitely be up there. And the third thing would definitely have to be red lipstick. Oh, I just can't live without it. Yeah. So Longcom, number one, ruby red I think it's called something like a fire engine red, something like that, that would have to definitely come with me. And I think with the sombrero, I think that would be a really good stylish look for the desert island. Absolutely. Loving the sound of that. That's really good. I don't think anyone's ever said those three things when I asked them before. Love it. So on that theme then, who would you love to sit next to on an aeroplane? It would have to be Marilyn Monroe. Okay. Because she'd have some she, red lips that you could steal? She definitely would have all the beauty tips, wouldn't she? <laughs> and would. um, she, I think she's been somebody that I've been pretty fascinated with since I was quite a small child. I think that kind of the mystery around what happened to her, it was mm. quite intriguing, the conspiracy theories around, you know, her death. Um, but then as I've got older and I've sort of, you know, read some books on her and watched a few documentaries, I think that, you know, she was massively underestimated as a, a talented actress. Yeah. I think that she was incredibly intelligent. I think she was very talented. 
and I wonder what would have happened if she'd been around today how how her life would have panned out a bit differently yeah it's quite intriguing that isn't it and I think we have mm. learnt a little bit more about the real Helen by answering those questions <laughs> so let's take it one step further if you could steal one thing and not be in trouble for it not get arrested nothing bad had happened what would you steal and why <laughs> I was I asked my husband this question yesterday and he said personality <laughs> rude <laughs> <laughs> very rude <laughs> but yeah I think it would have to be something like the crown jewels oh I think I'd go I think I'd go really big on the whole you know jewelry heist front well they say go big or go home so exactly that's it oh where would you keep them all I'd just wear them I think oh. All the time. So (laughs) glam. Not sure the, oh, well, can you put a tiara under your sombrero, maybe? Yeah, it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, love it. That's really good. So, okay, let's, let's go weird and wonderful. What's your weirdest but loveliest sandwich filling? What do you really love to eat? So this is something that I crave quite a lot. So I'm currently having some orthodontist work done. So I can't eat a huge amount of yummy food at the moment. And actually this this sandwich does not exist anymore because um, it's actually hula hoops and ketchup. Hula hoops and ketchup. Let's just get that in our minds. Hula hoop. But it's got to be spring onion flavoured hula hoops and they no longer exist (sighs) and do they do cheese and onion could you have that that doesn't work no it doesn't work it's got to be spring onion Mm, very Uh, yeah (laughs) yeah very particular about our sandwiches aren't we (laughs) do you know i i kind of get that kind of understand yeah. that so if you can't have that what what do you have now I eat a lot of soup I'll <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. try to get the five a day in there somehow um yeah it's really it's really really quite tough at the moment I think um one of the things I love is food I find, I find you know a lot of joy through you know eating out and meals and things like that so yeah it's something that I'm really looking forward to hopefully by the end of this year that uh yeah I can eat with without restriction so at some point obviously listeners can't can't see but Helen has actually got, got braces and I I remember having them as a teenager and I had all different colors on the the front of my train tracks and I remember Oh gosh, we went to Alton Towers, and you know when they take your picture when you're at the top of the ride, all you can see is me screaming, mouth wide open, with all these different coloured, you know, the little rubber rings on all the little yeah. metal blocks on your teeth, and I was like, that's not an attractive photo, is it? Um, yeah, I really have a thing about my teeth. I really, really don't like them. Um, but we all have, we all have these things, don't we? We all have these things that we don't like about each other, but nobody notices it's just us that have issues with it but 
absolutely yeah I would never notice your teeth you would never notice my teeth but we noticed our own teeth and actually it was it was staring at my own reflection in teams for a good two and a half years in in the pandemic that really made me decide to go and get them fixed oh goodness I think I think zoom and teams and things have a lot have a lot of um things to say for themselves at the moment with the amount of people who maybe have had Fillers, Botox, teeth done, hair changed, <laughs> things yeah, like that. Absolutely. Yeah, we didn't like staring at ourselves for, for so long. But mm. um, yeah, that's kind of a, that's a real, real intrinsic trait of a, of a lot of people. So we've talked about sandwiches um, and we've learned a lot about that taste <laughs> sensation combination. <laughs> what, what phrase or quote do you say to yourself often we all have these little things don't we? I say this to myself I say it to my son quite a bit as well um I think it's that kind of perfectionist trait sometimes can lead to a bit of procrastination um and it's probably a bit of a cliched one but it's the whether you think you can or you can't you're you're right so the famous Henry Ford quote yeah. um if I'm approaching something new or stepping out of my comfort zone a bit, my brain tends to try and protect me by saying, oh, you can't do this. Mm-hmm. Just stay in your little comfortable little bubble and don't try that new thing because you might fail. And then what would people think? Yeah. Um, so I, I tend to say that to myself, myself quite a lot. And I also say it to my son quite a lot when he's pushing himself out of his comfort zone, whether that be with school or um, something to do with sport. Um, I think it's something you can really train your brain in or out of um, by saying, actually, yes, you can do it. And actually, even if you can't, what's what's the harm in trying? Yeah, absolutely. So after you after the comfort zone, you have something called a stretch zone. And I think that's where that that phrase works best, that you push yourself a little bit, you're still you can still see your comfort zone, you can still see all the familiar things, but you're just pushing yourself just a little bit further, you know, you can always go back if you want to. But you also know how good will it feel if I just try this one step, just move one step further, how great things could actually turn out to be um that's that's so true I I talk a lot to my clients about that and it's all about that the the body believes what the mind tells it so it's really really interesting when you look at things from that that perspective um so thinking about our lovely listeners what looking at your kind of your career your um profession um and also you um as Helen what book or tv program or podcast do you think that we should all be reading or listening to right now um i'm a huge fan of mel robbins okay i think that her five second rule technique is unbelievably simple not Mm -hmm. easy but simple and it's one of those we go gosh why didn't i think of that um because it is so simple and her book uh, the five second rule is something that i i i talk a lot to people about especially those perfectionists those people that you know can be prone to procrastination or if you want to start a new habit or you want to um you know 
try something different just by counting back from five, four, three, two, one, and go and move your body and start to do the thing. Or if you want to break a bath habit, if you, you know, like me, need to maybe reduce the chocolate intake a little bit, (laughs) step away from the chocolate, you know, the five second rule can be something that's so simple, but actually can be very effective in, in many situations. Um, but I also love her no-nonsense approach. You know, she's not scared of, um, in her coaching sessions, you know, calling somebody a big crybaby mm-hmm. and just, you know, buck up and get on with it. You're not that, you know, child anymore. You're a full-grown adult. You're 100% responsible for everything that happens to you. Now take accountability and get on with it. So I sort of like that <laughs> style with her. Um So, yeah, she's sort of in my ears a lot and and I read quite a lot of her stuff as well. That's really good. I sometimes use that rule when I've put my trainers on and I don't necessarily want to go out first thing in the morning for my run. I know it's good for me. I know I should do it. But there are some days that I really don't. So I will stand at the door and just say, okay, five, four, three, two, one, just open the door and go and don't come back till you've done it. So I'm quite, quite stubborn with myself, but you always feel better and nothing bad will happen. You just, you've just got to try it and, and see. And in most cases it will, it will all work out. Yeah, absolutely. So as you know, my coaching is all about kind of helping empower my clients, increasing their confidence, improving their mindset, um, help them kind of regain control and achieve success and, and hope that they feel unstoppable. So my last question for you, Helen, is what makes you unstoppable? I think it's something we touched on a, a moment ago, which is putting yourself out of the comfort zone and into, what was it, the stretch zone? It is, yeah. I think that there's times when it would be so easy to remain as is. And actually, I think as human beings, we we try to put ourselves in into that. But actually, that's not where we develop. That's not where we grow. It's not necessarily always good for us to be there. Sometimes it's good to kind of, you know, bring the nervous system back down and, and really take that moment to pause and stop and 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 not be in a scary place all the time mm-hmm. but just feeling that a little bit uncomfortable you know doing the public speaking thing speaking to the new client um you know selling yourself in a bit of a more confident way those things that um you know aren't necessarily always a natural trait those are the things that really make me feel unstoppable that's really good that's something definitely to take away from from today You've been amazing, Helen. Thank you so much for letting me pick your brains. And thank you to everyone who's listening. Um, Please follow the show, leave a review and follow me on social media. If you have any subjects or questions that you would like me to include on a future episode, then email me, coaching at suzannebryden.co.uk. And I can't wait for you to join me next time for another wander through the human mind and its thoughts and how we actually achieve success. So thank you, Helen. Thank you to our listeners. And I will see you all soon.